Greetings, my friends, and welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean, your host. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, today we are resuming our study in the gospel according to Mark, and we're ready for chapter 8 today, uh, which deals with the feeding of the 4,000. Last week was the feeding of the 5,000. We have the feeding of the 4,000. And then we have a story about him healing a blind man. And uh, so we're going to look at that a little bit further. Um, and maybe, possibly, uh, and answer maybe some questions that could be raised about that situation. Uh, and to do so, we'll actually have to read John chapter 9 from the Gospel of John. Uh, so that's kind of what is on the agenda for this morning. My prayer is that you'll be blessed that the word of God being sharper than any two-edged sword would pierce your hearts and uh, just cause you to draw ever more closely to God and to his son, Jesus. Um, and then you, we also have uh, at the end of chapter 8 here that famous question, Who do you say that I am? Jesus asking his disciples. And so, without further delay, let's dig in and uh, open up our hearts. Chapter 8, verse 1. In those days, the multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him, and he saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with me three days, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from afar. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? Now please note, how, if you remember last week, it said that they didn't even take note of the fact that he had fed the 5,000, like he broke the few loaves of bread that they had and fed 5,000 people. And so his disciples really didn't even take note of that. Like, it didn't register with them for some reason. And here we are. Jesus is saying, okay, we got 4,000 people that need fed. And they're like, well, how are we going to do this? Like totally forgetting about the fact that they already have accomplished this once. He's going to rebuke them about that later on in this story. Let's continue on. Verse 5. And he asked them, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven. And he commanded the people to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves, and he gave thanks, and he brake, and he gave his disciples to set before them. And they did set before them the people. And they had a few small fishes, and he blessed, and he commanded to set them also before them. So they did eat, and were filled, and they took up the broken meat that was left seven baskets. And they that had eaten were about four thousand, and he sent them away. And straightway he entered into a ship with his disciples, and came into the parts of Dalmanutha. And the Pharisees came forth and began to question with him, seeking of him a sign from heaven, tempting him. And he sighed deeply in his spirit, and he saith, Why does this generation seek after a sign? Verily I say unto you, There shall no sign be given unto this generation. 
and he left them, entering into his ship again, departed to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. Neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And he charged them, saying, Take heed, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, and of the leaven of Herod. And they reasoned among themselves, Is it because we have no bread? And when Jesus knew it, he saith unto them, Why reason ye, because ye have no bread? Perceive you not, neither, neither understand, have ye your heart yet hardened? Having eyes see ye not, and having ears hear ye not? And do you not remember? When I break the five loaves among the five thousand, how many baskets full of fragments took ye up? And they say unto him, Twelve. And when the seven among four thousand, how many baskets full the fragments took ye up? And they said, Seven. And he said unto them, How is it that ye do not understand? I just think that I just want to take a minute to note. I just think it's interesting. And we can, you know, we can be critical when we're reading this and being like, Oh my gosh, they saw all this and how did they not get it? You know, like how did they, how did they forget from the time that Jesus fed 5,000 to the time that they get to the 4,000? They still, still like, well, how are we going to do this? Or how are they not understanding? And how are they like worried about how much bread they have while they're in the ship and they're with Jesus? But really, just human beings just have amnesia. <laughs> we just have a really short memory. Because God will do things in our own lives. He'll bless us. He'll answer a prayer. He'll, uh, we'll make it through a tough situation. And then we'll get to the other side and be like, well, you know, at the end of the day, God really did take care of me pretty well. And then we'll enter into the next trial, and we've already forgotten that God is faithful. And we start our panic again. Oh, how short of a memory we have, huh? Let's get to the next five verses which is the blind man healed outside of Bethsaida. And then we're going to go in and read chapter 9 of the, uh, the Gospel of John to kind of go along with this story. And then we'll finish to like the last 10 verses of Mark chapter 8. So let's start with that. So we're ready for verse 22 in the Gospel of Mark chapter 8. Here's what it says. And he cometh to Bethsaida. And they bring a blind man unto him, and besought him to touch him. And he took the blind man by the hand, and he led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes, and put his hands upon him, he asked him if he saw aught. And he looked up, and he said, I see men as trees walking. After that he put his hands again upon his eyes, and made him look up. And he was restored, and saw every man clearly. And he sent him away to his house, saying, Neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. Now one of the questions that kind of comes up in these stories is number one, why did he spit to heal his eyes? Like why did Jesus... There's two really good questions that could be asked here. Number one, why didn't Jesus just put his hands on him and say you're healed or just say you're healed and the man be healed? Why did he, why did he have to spit 
to heal the man's eyes. And then furthermore, he's like, it is like takes two tries. Like, what's up with that? Like, he he says, okay, he spits on him. He says, can you heal? Can you see? And the man says, ah, they look like trees walking around. And then the next question is, well, how does he know what a tree looks like? Nonetheless, and then Jesus puts his hands on him again, and then he's healed. I think the answer can be found in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, but you do have to understand a little bit about the Pharisees and about their laws as it pertains to the Sabbath. Now, I'm not talking about laws in the Torah. I'm talking about man-made judicial laws, uh, the Jews making up their own laws, which they did often, which Jesus broke often on purpose. So, if the story in the Gospel of John is, this, if it's the same man, then this kind of answers that question. And the reason why I think it might be the same man is because Jesus heals him in, a, in the same manner, except there might be one more detail added. So, nonetheless, let's just look. Here's why. Here's what I think is going on here. But let's, before I answer that question clearly, let's go to the Gospel of John, chapter nine. Starting with verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he had spoken thus, he spat on the ground and made clay of spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with clay and said unto him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is being interpreted sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. Their neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him, that he was blind, said, Is not this that sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him, but he said, I am he. Therefore they said unto him, How were thy eyes opened? And he answered, and he said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, and anointed my eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam, and wash, and I went and washed, and I received my sight. Then said they unto him, Where is he? He said, I know not. They brought to the Pharisees him that after foretime was blind. Alright, so that's the first 13 verses. Now again, this may not be the same man, uh, because there's a lot of different details here, but I think it's the same scenario. So here's, here's why I think Jesus took the time to spit in this example and make clay to put on his eyes instead of saying, be healed. And it might be the same scenario with why Jesus did what he did with the man we're looking at in our study this morning in the book of Mark. But the very next verse, still talking about the Gospel of John chapter 9. So they brought to the Pharisees him that was blind... Verse 14, this is an important piece of information. And it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened 
his eyes. Okay, so it's saying, ding, 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 here's the obvious answer. According to the Pharisees and the Jewish laws and the things that were added by rabbis over the, over the centuries for what you can and cannot do on the Sabbath, one of those things was that you weren't even allowed to spit. Because if you spit, your spit might dig a hole and that would be considered working. This is the kind of nonsense that entered into all the... This is why Jesus is constantly going and pushing against the goads. It's not that Jesus doesn't obey the Sabbath. It's that he doesn't obey the Sabbath according to man-made laws. He obeys the Sabbath according to the Torah. And so... On purpose, Jesus spits and makes clay, which to the Pharisees is work, and he puts it on the man's eyes to heal him. It's Jesus' way of saying, you don't make the laws. And we're going to go, you can go through just about any of the strange things that he does that seems like it doesn't have a point that he does on a Sabbath day. And this is just one example. So my theory for... What's taking place in the gospel according to Mark is the same thing. He's spitting on purpose. He's going out of his way to to heal in this manner as a way to push up against the Pharisees. And of course, they get all worked up about it. So, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Verse 15, Then again the Pharisees also asked him how he received his sight. And he said to them, He put clay upon my eyes, I washed and do see. Therefore, says some of the Pharisees, this man is not of God because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, how can this man, how can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And it was division among them. They say unto the blind man again, what sayest thou of him that he opened thy eyes? And he said, he is a prophet. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he, was, that he had been blind and received his sight until they called his parents of him that had received his sights. And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who, you, who was born blind? How then doeth now he see? And his parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. By what means he seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age, ask him, he shall speak for himself. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, he, therefore said his parents, He is of age, ask him. Then again called they the man that was blind, and said unto him, Give God the praise, we know that this man is a sinner. And he answered and he said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not one thing that I know. Whereas I was blind, and now I see. Now, I could continue to read on this and read on this, um, but I think that we've gotten the point. The, the Pharisees are just going to continue to to bombard this guy with questions. I mean, they even bring his own parents in and say, was this guy blind or not? Like, And his parents are afraid because apparently the Pharisees had already made a rule that if anyone says that Jesus is the Messiah, that they are to be put out of the synagogue, that they would no longer be allowed to be part of the synagogue. This is just religion at its worst. It has nothing to do with the kingdom of God. It's all about power and maintaining uh, religious authority. And let me just say, 
Not much has changed. Not much has changed. A lot of churches are led by boards and pastors and people who are just in it to for the it's it's just it's a business. It's a corporation. It acts like one. It's ran like one. They're not interested in the truth. They're interested in numbers. Not much has changed, my friends. Not much has changed. But anyway, I wanted to point that out and say, maybe this is what the whole point of the spitting is for. It's not because Jesus had to spit in order to make a guy be able to see. He could have just thought it or said it. It's, he's making a point. All right, let's get back to the Gospel of Mark. We got like uh, 10 more verses to read, and then we'll be done. We're getting ready to look at Peter's confession of faith here, which is unfortunately followed up immediately by a massive failure. So, let's have a look. Verse 27, Gospel according to Mark. And Jesus went out and his disciples into the towns of Caesarea Philippi. And by the way, he asked his disciples, saying unto them, Whom do men say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist, but some say Elias, and others one of the prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Peter answereth and saith unto him, Thou art the Christ. And he charged them that they should tell no man of him. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. All right, please note, Jesus asked them, Who do you say that I am? And Peter, believe it or not, answers and saith, Thou art the Christ. He says, You're the Messiah. Like he gets it. But unfortunately, he's getting ready to make a huge mistake following immediately after that. Real quick, before I get into that, you know, some of you uh, remember and listen, used to listen to Alan Horvath before he passed away many years ago. Uh, well, he passed away, I think, a year or two ago, but uh, maybe a year ago. Uh, but you may have listened to him several years ago. I used to listen to Alan and watch his videos a long time ago. Um, probably more, well, not a long time ago, more like four or five years, six years ago. And uh, l like I've mentioned before, I did a little bit of a tribute video uh, to him when he passed away. Didn't really agree with everything he said. Uh, you know, I took issue with a lot of things that he taught, but at the same time, he taught a lot of really interesting things and he kind of opened my eyes to some certain things. I bring him up simply to say one of he was also a musician. He had a had a song that I really, really enjoyed called Who Do You Say That I Am? And if I can find it this morning, I'll put it at the end of the podcast, but no promises because I may not be able to find it fast enough uh, to get this thing published out this morning. But just something, you can go also go Google that, I believe, or uh, YouTube it and probably find probably find that music. But it's it was just a great song that tells that little story there about who do you say that I am, and I just felt like I should bring that up. Now, after Peter says, yes, you says you're the Messiah, he tells them, okay, don't tell anyone. Then he began to teach them that, hey, the, the now that you know who I am, you need to understand that I'm going to have to suffer. Like, I'm going to be rejected by the elders, by the chief priests, the scribes, I'm going to be killed, and then three days later I'm going to rise again. So he clearly spells that out for him. You know, this is what's going to happen. Then verse 32 happens. And he spake that saying openly, and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. 
But when he had turned about and looked on his disciples, he rebuked Peter, saying, Get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savoreth not the things that be of God, but the things that be of men. Ooh. I mean, talk about a quick turnaround. Like, you're the Messiah. Like, oh, great, Peter, you get it, but this hasn't been revealed to you by men. This is, you know, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. And then moments later, Peter's like rebuking him. No, you can't die. You can't suffer. And Jesus is saying, get behind me, Satan. You're not worried. You're not concerned about the things of God. You're concerned about the things of men. And admittedly, myself and many of you included, if we're not careful, we can fall into the same trap that Peter's falling into. We look at the world and we say, God, you can't let this happen. You can't do that. You know, you've, you've got to stop this evil. You've got, to, you've got to do this. You've got to do that. And maybe what God is doing is he's shaking everything up. He's shaking up the church. He's trying to bring in the harvest at the last moment. Maybe we need to get on his plan instead of getting on trying to get God on our plan. Right? Maybe we need to be concerned about the things of God, not things of world in our lives. Just a thought. Let's continue on. We're almost done here. Four more verses. And when he had called the people unto him... With his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake and the gospels, the same shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Whosoever, therefore, shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. That is the end of the chapter. Jesus is saying, look, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself. And this is something we have to do every day. Ugh, this is what I want. This is what I desire. But no, what God desires comes first. I'm denying myself. I'm going to take up my cross. This is a hard road. I'm going to follow after Jesus. Jesus is saying if you have that attitude and you're willing to give up your life, you end up, your life will end up being saved because you've given it up for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of Christ. But if you're clinging on to this world, you're white-knuckling your life and your dreams and everything that's about you, you run the risk of losing it. You're so worried about saving your own life, you're going to run the risk of losing it. And he's saying, what are you going to profit? Like, what does a man profit if he gain everything there is to gain in this world, but then lose his own soul? And then he makes this point, you know, you're living in a sinful and adulterous generation. And that's true for us today. And he's saying, if you're going to be ashamed of me and my word amongst this generation then on the day, I'm going to be ashamed of you. And so may that cause us to examine our lives. Examine our motives. Is our motives towards the things of God and towards the gospel? Or are we being like Peter and we're like, no, Lord. Do we have in our hearts the, the things of God or the things of men? Are we denying ourselves? Are we taking up our cross? And then lastly, who do you say he is? Is he just a prophet? 
What is this book to you? Is this the living word of God? Is it is it absolute truth? If that be the case, then, then you need to obey it. Is Jesus your Lord? Is he your master? Is he the Messiah? Is he God incarnate? Who is he? Who do you say he is? So I leave you with that. Examine your own hearts. Look in the mirror. Examine yourself. Stop worrying about everybody around you and their motives. And what so-and-so did or didn't do or what so-and-so believes or doesn't believe. What about you? Worry about, your, worry about you right now. Look in the mirror. Say, what's in my heart? And this Bible, this Word of God, it is a reflector. It is a mirror. And when you look in it, it'll either say, hey, you're one of the children of God, or it's going to convict you. All right, that's all I have for you this morning, friends. Peace and grace be with all of you. Until next time, God bless. Son of man is. Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But I pose the question today now who do you say he is? The sun Blazing down on another working day The strangest voice rang out As I cast my net on the lake He was saying Come and follow me I'll make you a fisher of men He spoke with such authority I just left my nets and ran Who is this man amongst us? I looked in his eyes and I saw the living God Ooh, yeah. And I just know he's gonna ask me To confess what I believe about him And what will I say when the time is here? But it's here. Yes, it's here. Oh, oh it's time. 
son of man is Some say John the Baptist Others say Elijah Still others, Jeremiah Or one of the prophets But I pose the question today now Who do you say he is? Oh, I really want to say it But I don't know if I can Ooh, I really want to say it no, 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 no. But I don't know if I can Let it lie But the question Still remains